this Sunday and next Sunday, I'd like to just take a little different tack on things and talk about perfection. Really, talk about imperfection because we are we are all spotted people, and so when we talk about the perfect church, we obviously have our tongue in our cheek uh, along the way and understand that uh, this side of uh, <clears throat> heaven will probably not exactly get it right, but let's give it a good go and see where it goes from there. I wanted to uh, increase your uh, uh, literary appetite a little bit uh, using some poetry today. I don't know if you like poetry, read poetry at all, um, you know, whether you like Shakespeare sonnets or whether you like Mr. Deed's Hallmark card rhymes or where you fall in terms of your preference kind of thing. I remember a poem, uh, and, and I really had to think through it a little bit, and I actually had to print it off again. Uh, it was by a, a, a gal by the name of Joyce Kilmer, and the uh, poem is called Trees. Do you ever remember reading or hearing about that? I, I thought I had to memorize that when I was in school long ago. I remember it, but I've got a lot of cobwebs over that kind of thing, so it goes like this. I think that I shall never see a poem lovely as a tree, a tree whose hungry mouth is pressed against the earth's sweet flowing breast, a tree that looks at God all day and lifts her leafy arms to pray, a tree that may in summer wear a nest of robins in her hair, upon whose bosom snow has lain, who intimately lives with rain. Poems are made by fools like me, but only God can make a tree. It's just kind of one of those, and I don't know what the rhyme of that, iambic pentameter or whatever it is, you know, da 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 whatever, whatever that, uh, so. But, the, but someone must have been reading Joyce Kilmer's tree poem when they, Describe the perfect church this way. I think that I shall never see a church that's all it ought to be. A church whose members never stray beyond the straight and narrow way. <clears throat> a church that has no empty pews, whose pastor never has the blues. A church whose deacons always deek, and none is proud, and all are meek. Where gossips never peddle lies, or make complaints or criticize. Where all are always sweet and kind, and all to others' faults are blind. Such perfect churches there may be, but none of them are known to me. But still will work and pray and plan to make our own the best we can. So that's kind of like a Joyce Kilmer-like poem. Uh, the person who wrote it, I have no idea who it was. Maybe it was of such a quality that they didn't want to put their name on it uh, as well. 
I think it was uh, Spurgeon, a famous English British preacher, who who made the observation. He said, "If you if you come across the perfect church, please be careful and don't join it, because you'll ruin it." <laughs> and so there's probably some level of wisdom to that. Although I'm certainly not not in uh, in favor of not trying to. Uh, involve people in terms of the higher commitment. But uh, one pass at that issue went this way. If you should find a perfect church without one fault or smear, for goodness sake, don't join that church. You'd spoil the atmosphere. If you should find the perfect church where all anxieties cease, then pass it by, lest joining it you'd mar the masterpiece. If you should find the perfect church, then don't you ever dare to dread upon such holy ground. You'd be a misfit there. But since no perfect church exists made of imperfect men, then let's cease looking for that church and love the church we're in. Of course, it's not a perfect church. That's simple to discern. But you and I and all of us could cause the tide to turn. What fools we are to flee our post in that unfruitful search to find at last where problems loom, God proudly builds his church. So let's keep working in our church until the resurrection, and then we each will join that church without an imperfection. Well, there's enough poetry there for last year for, from now until I'm done. I'm done in the ministry assignment here. <clears throat> but I do want to talk to you about the church because I believe that God uh, has ordained and established this organism. It's more than an institution. It's an organism. It's a thing that has life to it, to, to be the presence of Christ in the world, to be the love of Jesus with skin on it. So as we touch the lives of people, we can make, we can make a, a radical difference. And so I want to talk about some of the things that I think are a part of the, what the perfect church looks like, ought to look like. We need to be looking kind of like that. Um, and, the, and the better we get at approximating the, the model that Christ has, the, the better it's going to be for a watching world around us to see the difference that Jesus can make in you and, and, and me. So as I come down the home stretch today and this week and next week, I want to talk about this whole issue. When we talk about perfection, we understand that's a, that's a moving target. <clears throat> um, we understand that no one is perfect. All our righteousness just isn't going to back, back up. But, but yet it's interesting that Jesus makes the observation in the Gospels, Matthew. He says, be ye perfect is one translation. Be ye perfect as I am perfect. And, and probably a better translation is be holy as I am holy. It, it, there's a sense of wholeness and uh attempting to move toward that, never really fully arriving, but always striving to uh, attain that 
goal and purpose that God has for us. Now, I, I've, I've heard it said, and I think it's probably likely true, that seven is the number of perfection. Um, completeness might be a better word, but uh, if that's the case, then I'm going to pick on seven descriptions. And aren't you glad that most of the time I only have three? You know, I, I tend to boil it down in that kind of So I've got seven, but I want you to know that it, these will work through them. And I'm going to go to uh, a portion of Scripture that uh, is probably not uh, familiar to you. It's in the book of Acts. Uh, well, I, I guess I did do preach on some of Acts. So anyway, come back to Acts chapter 2. And uh, we're going to look at a few verses there, probably one of the, one of the most uh, clear statements in the Scripture about the nature of the church, what, what the early church looked like. Acts chapter 2, and then we're going to get a few verses from Acts chapter 4 as well. So, And I know that if you track back far enough in the series on Acts, you'll find a message on this particular topic, but it doesn't look like this. It's a little different. So Acts chapter 2, verse 42 is where I'm going to break in, and here's what it reads. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their numbers, their number daily, those who were being saved. Moving over just a couple pages or page later, Acts chapter 4, verse 31. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. And all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace or great grace was upon them all. There were no needy persons among them, for from time to time those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. I'll stop there at that point. These particular portions of Scripture, Acts 2 and Acts 4, give us a picture of what the early church was like. Um, I don't know what you're looking for in terms of the perfect church. Maybe it's maybe it's maybe it's related to its facilities. Sometimes we have an what some one writer called an edifice complex. Uh, we're all enamored with something that's much larger or something more current or trendy or architecturally appealing, that satisfies, that just kind of makes you walk in and say, ooh, kind of thing. Um, you have here these lovely stained glass uh, windows that 
paint pictures of what the Alliance in its teaching is about, Savior, Sanctifier, Healer, Coming King, and in different different aspects depicted. And those there are churches that I know of that don't have that stained glass kind of thing, uh, and they would probably be more than interested to do that. So if you ever need to do a fundraiser, uh, you could probably sell those windows off. Uh, well, I hope you don't have to do that, and I hope you don't do it. Uh, but but everybody has their own idea of what the what the perfect church. If you had the chance to make a church of your design that you felt would conclude everything, sometimes we can get tied up in facilities. Sometimes we can we can talk about the charisma of leadership. And if I could only get uh, you know uh, uh, a John MacArthur. If I could only get, you know, whoever the latest and greatest is, uh, apart from, well, never, I won't, I won't, okay, I won't even go there. Uh, I was going to do a backsided compliment, and it wouldn't even be a compliment to somebody that's got a smile that's three feet wide. Anyway, but anyway, I won't even, whoever that is. Um, but you, you can do, look at, you know, whatever, and we'll talk about the perfect pastor next week, you know, so we'll get you, get your profile on that one uh, then. But if you're going to base the, the, the completeness, the wholeness, the health of a church, uh, you, you need to base it upon his word, God's word, not just what you think it ought to be. And so that, that's where we're, we're going to be for a few moments this morning, Acts chapter 2 and 4. So I'm calling them marks of the perfect church, and uh, I think you'll see how that wholeness or completeness or perfection move it can 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 be of real benefit and power in in our world today first mark is the church is to experience spiritual growth intentionally they're to experience spiritual growth i'm not talking necessarily about numerical growth i'm talking about spiritual growth and that is a very intentional thing verse 42 of the of the second chapter we read says they devoted themselves. There's there's an emphasis on that word. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. And you can talk about each one of those aspects in the previous message, probably in Acts 2, probably address that a little bit. My focus today is on the word devoted because there are people today that that aren't all that devoted to the church. They're They're kind of interested. They're mildly intrigued. Uh, and uh, Howard Hendricks, a former teacher, used to describe the church as made up of of pillars and caterpillars. The pillars are there, and they're just they're part of the caterpillars. Just kind of crawl in and crawl out. They come in on Sunday, and they go home another day, and uh, uh, return from time to time. But don't contribute to the life of the body of Christ a great deal, because sometimes. There isn't a whole lot going on in their own world to contribute in terms of their spiritual growth and maturity. And this is an intentional, here's the phrase, I'm, the words I mean, growing intentionally. You have to purpose to grow. Growth does not come automatically. I know that physiologically, when you grow, you, you, you mature. I mean, you, get, you, you, you develop more 
more muscle, more mass. Some of us have more mass than muscle. Um, but you, you, you develop that as you age chronologically. And there will come a point of no, well, a, a diminished return <laughs> uh, where, where it might not sustain itself you know, all the way through the length of your journey. But, but the point is that there will be a natural kind of growth. But, but that happens that way. But in spiritual growth, it's not going to happen automatically. You're going to have to be very intentional. If you want to know more about God, you've got to be intentionally pressing into him, seeking him, desiring him uh, in, in his word, in, in time, in, in his presence, in time with the body of Christ around you. That is intentional spiritual growth, and we need to be moved there. So if you were to ask yourself the question, or someone were to ask you the question, how devoted are you to the body of Christ that he has put you in? I'm assuming that's here. At least today it is. How intentional are you in becoming spiritually growing? And that's a good question for you to ask yourself. And it might be a question that would be appropriate to be asked of a church as a whole. The first mark is that they experience spiritual growth intentionally. And it takes our partnership, it takes our cooperation, it takes our effort. A second mark of the perfect church is that it, it, it shares their faith naturally. And words are important in terms of this message and the phrases that I'm using. They are to share their faith naturally. Verse 43 and verse 47 read this way. Everyone was filled with awe and many miraculous signs and wonders were done by the apostles. They were praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. God used them where they were and used them as his instruments to do some things that were just not naturally happening. It was supernatural. It was the presence of the Spirit of God that uh, was promised in Acts 1.8, if you back up to that point, that experienced in terms of the coming of the Holy Spirit in the front part of this second chapter. And the Spirit of God falls upon these people and begins to give them a word to share. And they do that naturally. They do that within the web of relationships. Everyone filled with awe. Many miraculous signs and wonders were done by the apostles. Sometimes, sometimes we think, well, there isn't a whole lot going on in our church. They just kind of come in and they go through the motions and you sing a few songs, and you hear a little homily, and then you go home. And your world is unaltered because of your experience at church, the body of Christ. I don't think that's the way God intended it to be. I think he, I think he intends that we be a people who come with a sense of expectation that he is able to do exceeding abundant above all we could ask or think. And I don't know what your needs or problems are. Over the course of a couple of years, I've gotten a little bit familiar with some of those things. And, and there may be things where I say, Father, we long for your power to be demonstrated in this person, in their physical or their spiritual, their emotional health. You, you, you just long, and, and sometimes we say, well, God, if you want it to happen, that's okay. I'm in. I'm in for that. 
but but sometimes I'm wondering if if God longs for us to be a little bit more handsy. Um, and I realize that we've got we've got all this stuff with masks, and I realize this is a season, and oh boy, I will be the I will be among the many rejoicing when that business is done, you know, uh, and and we can actually we can actually come to somebody and and not be inhibited about. Let me pray with you right now in Jesus' name that He would demonstrate His power and His might by the power of His Spirit. We just get in on that. Um, I, I long for that. There's a tremendous power of personal touch that I think we're missing at some of the things. But, but here, we're, we're talking about they, they simply share. They share what they're about very naturally. It wasn't that they had to develop some kind of alter ego that, that goes into a mode that uses Christianese language or preacherese language that, that, that sometimes gets a bit like, wow, does he normally talk like that? It just, it, it, it can be a little bit strange. But it's sharing what God has done naturally. And that's, that's what I believe that the church needs to see, the, the real thing. They were praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. In other words, God, they saw God at work in this early church because they were simply sharing what they had and experienced in terms of the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Someone described evangelism as one person uh, telling another, one beggar telling another beggar where to get food. And that, that's probably just a natural expression of, of what, what we do in terms of sharing. It's a natural kind of thing. Third mark is the, the church is to connect with each other relationally. There are advantages to being in a smaller church. Uh, I'm not talking about the size of the building. I'm talking about the... the the connectedness in the body of Christ. You can get to know somebody. I know that some people like to go to church, big church, large group, because they can remain somewhat undetected, unnoticed, unaccountable, and they can be a caterpillar, come in and go out, and never make much of a difference. In the body of Christ, especially when you're in a smaller unit church, uh, there's the opportunity we have to get to know one another better. I would hope that over the course of two years, you've gotten better connected. You've been here longer than I have. I would hope that you're, you're, you're familiar enough. You've taken the time. You've made the time and taken the time to get connected a bit better relationally. I believe that's what the heart of the body of Christ is to be about. We are 1 Corinthians talks about we are members of each other. When one part hurts, the whole body hurts. I've got a heel spur on my on my right heel. It is a, I was going to say it's a pain in the butt, but it's a pain in the heel is what it's doing. And and so, you know, I'm, I'm standing around and I'm lifting my, my foot up, you know, kind of thing, trying to, and then when I come in after being out during the day, I'm, it's like this, you know, it is a pain. But that part is telling the other parts of the body that hmm, something's going on here. They're connected. In the body of Christ, when God puts us into a unit, imperfect as it is, he puts us there for the purpose of being able to encourage, to speak into the lives of other people, 
to be able to offer his heart and his love expressed into their world so that you make the time, take the time to listen. Sometimes we don't listen. We're so more interested in making sure I say what I got to say. I got, you know, instead of listening, when you have two of these and one of these, maybe that's proportional, which ought to be listening a little bit more. But his heart is for us to connect with each other relationally. It, not, it ought not to be true of this body of Christ that they did not really listen to each other. They did not really know each other. They did not really take the time to get acquainted. And I realized that in the season we're in, there's all kinds of masks that we can wear. And I'm not talking about the physical thing, you know. Sometimes it's hard to read people from here up, you know. But God gives us the opportunity in the perfect church to be connected in our relationships. And that can occur within the body when they're gathered together, but it can happen throughout the week, just connected one with another, simple as a phone call or note or card of encouragement, whatever it may be. The church is to connect. That's what the perfect church is to be about. A fourth mark of the church is that they are to serve others selflessly. Verse 45 of this second chapter said that, that selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Now, I'm not convinced that the intent of that was that so people would not have anything. Uh, I go sell everything I have and give it away. Well, pretty soon nobody has anything you know, to share, you know. So you, there, there, there is an issue of, of stewardship of what God has entrusted to you, but they serve other people selflessly. It's not in, all wrapped up in what I can get out of it. Some people choose to go to particular churches because there's a prestige attached to it. Some people go to churches because it will help their business and I could name names, and I'm not people names, but denominational names, where if you're part of that church, it was, you know, when I was in the Harrisburg area, the, the big name church was Trinity Church in Camp Hill. It was a Methodist church, and all the prestigious hoo-hoos would go there. Um, and that has nothing to do with Dr. Seuss, Hoosville thing. That's a, that's a whole other issue. But But sometimes people would... I'm a member of Trinity Church. And so that would help in terms of the clientele that they would encounter and they would go to church and they would connect with the right people. Sometimes even people would take advantage of that relationship and try to do a little bit of business when they go to church. And that that isn't going to help at all. But but the people that were were connected to each other, but they were serving each other relationally and selflessly rather. So what are the ways in which the Lord may be using you to serve other people? Um, have you been served in this body of Christ? Uh, materially, perhaps you've shared with other people. I, I think it's a wonderful idea you've got in terms of being able to bless Scott and Sarah as they come with these gift card ideas. That's wonderful. You realize that in Harrison Valley, they're in the middle of nowhere. And, and suddenly they will come and there will be 8,000 restaurants 
and they have known two of them, one of which was a family dollar store that had stuff on the shelf and that counted as a restaurant. I'm not sure. I, I, I'm sure that probably was more sophisticated than that. But, but here it's going to be a smorgasbord. I think it's a delightful idea to be able to bless them with, a, with a, a card that's enough for a family of four. And keep in mind that they still have a son who is away from home uh, in college. And so um, I think that's a wonderful idea um, where you can serve somebody else selflessly. So bless them well. Bless them well in that venture. We are here to serve not to be served, Jesus said, but to serve. That's what we are all to be about in the perfect church. And the, the better we get, the better we get at growing intentionally, as sharing naturally, as connecting relationally, as serving selflessly, the better we get at those things, then the more perfect this body is going to become. Mark number five. The church is to experience worship intimately. Verse 46 says, every day they continue to meet in the temple courts. And so they gather together. And I realized that in the Judaism kind of thing, Saturday was their, 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 their synagogue day and that kind of thing. But, but these people, these followers of Christ, continue to connect within during the week. They continue to meet together every day. Now I realize that you know, we can't always do all of those kinds of things. You have uh, livelihoods to earn and jobs to do, those kinds of things. But, but when they gather together, it was within the framework of that worship experience, uh, even within Judaism in terms of synagogue, the worship experience, and it was done intimately. They were into each other's lives. Um, My approach in this transitional ministry has been very different than other ministries that I've done. I often, in other ministries, would focus on church health, church growth, things related to that. I've done none of that directly with you in terms of a series of messages on the things that are going to help your church grow. But I'm, I know that there's stuff there that, that will be able to be addressed because we've been betting it, B-E-D-D-I-N-G, it on... The God's Word and, and particularly the book of Acts, you'll discover the, the things that are going to cause a church to grow. But one of the things that is one of a, a good quality, healthy church is, is their area of their worship, where they, where they do their worship well. Now, you don't have to have the orchestra, the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. You don't have to have all of those accoutrements things that we and I, I appreciate I appreciate value all of that kind of stuff but you know even in the simplicity of worship that you have here there's a a sweetness to it there's a sense of God in it that connects with our hearts and resonates so that when we come and we offer our song our words and our music from our heart, it may come out imperfect as it always does, but it is something that draws us into his presence and we worship him intimately.
That's a mark of a healthy church. Mark number six is that the church is to model family. The Toward the end of verse 46 of Acts 2, it says, They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Early on when we first came, we, we, we wanted to try to connect with people. And so we said, uh, we'd like to get together. Uh, Barbara and I would like to get together. And, and we'll be glad to come to your home. You tell us what we need to bring. Or let's go out to lunch. And we'll do that. So we did, we did that with, with many of you, one way or another. Um, and, and those are good times. When you, when you get together with someone in their home, uh, you get to know them a little bit. You get to know a little bit what their journey's about. You get to know how good a cook they are. And they have some good cooks, good cooks too, by the way. Or even if you go out to a restaurant kind of thing, you, you'd be able to get connected and acquainted from that side. Um, there's, that, there's that sense of togetherness. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. It was kind of like family. There is, and I don't know, there are a lot of activities going on in our world today that fight against the family. We say, I'm doing this for the family, but those activities that sometimes you can get involved in, at times can pull the family apart. Everybody's running and doing their own thing. Their own world, and you got to have this, that, and the other. Be involved in 20 different activities, and you, instead of pulling the family together, it tends to pull them apart. And it's not unusual for families not even to eat together anymore. And I, um, I miss that part. I mourn that part when a family doesn't sit together or even worse when they sit together and everybody's doing this kind of thing and developing carpal funnel along the way. Um, when you're together, be together. Be together. For heaven's sake, be together. Take advantage of that opportunity. Model that. Model that. Mark number seven. The church is to share with others sacrificially. The passage in Acts 4 that we read said they were of one heart and mind. They shared everything they had. There was no needy person. Because from time to time, those who own lands or houses, sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone as he had need. Now, again, I'm not here to regulate whatever God prompts in your heart to do. But in terms of your ability to be the body of Christ, that's involving sharing, and sometimes that will be done sacrificially. Sometimes it's, it's going to hurt when we invest in the lives of other people. Now, 
City Light Church parked on the corner here. And people go up and down this road a lot. Students used to walk a lot more to school than probably they do currently. Huh? They still do. Okay. Spoken by the resident watcher. Good. All right. Good. So we got our eyes on this, but they still are out here. Okay. And we still connect. We still have that opportunity to connect. But sometimes it's going to involve us in, in, a, in a deeper and more connected way. Now, does City Light have it all, all together? Well, probably not. But you know, you're doing some things well. And you know, you can do some things better. And even if you're doing things well, you can even do those things better. Because we're moving on toward completion, toward perfection. We won't get it right all the time. Sometimes you'll get people who'll be mad at you because you don't do enough. Let them be mad in Jesus' name. I guess let them just, if, if that's what, if they get their knickers in a twist over, whatever, Lord bless them. You just do what God prompts you to do. Do what he asks you to do. And you can't do more than that. And if you're trying to do more things than what he's asking you to do, you're probably doing the wrong things anyways. But we have the opportunity to move in harmony together as the body of Christ and be the presence of Jesus in our world. And that's going to call us as a church to do some intentional growing spiritually. It's going to call us to share what we are experiencing quite naturally, sharing what God has been doing in my life, your life, with other people so that they can see that God is among you. A message from 1 Corinthians, a, a story there where, where, where someone comes into the church and they're not impressed with, oh, they're spoken tongues or, oh, there's this, this going on. They, they come in and they say, God is among you. God is among you. And, and anybody that comes through these doors, that's all I would pray for them, that they would sense that God is here and they can come with their needs and he will meet them and you will be there to lock arms and pray and encourage and share. You connect with each other relationally in your in your web of influence there. You serve selflessly. You worship intimately. You model family. You share sacrificially. Those kinds of pieces. You can go back and revisit this online if you need to chew on them a little bit more. But the, the point is simply this. You can be part of a perfect church today. You, you won't get it entirely perfect, but let's move that direction. The question is asked, how are we doing? In reality, you probably won't find one that's perfect. And if you did and you joined it, you'd probably ruin it. But don't let that notion of perfection keep you from becoming part of a body that's moving toward that modeling of the life of Christ in a community of faith. Choose today to be part of a church, part of the church in this local church. And... Uh, as you move on, God will enable you to become more and more complete as the body. That's my prayer for you. As we started our service with that blessing, may the Lord bless you. 
May his smile be upon you. May he be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Still the prayer. Pause with me for prayer, will you? Our Father, each one of the folks that have called this their church home, um, some of them are here today. Others may not be here today. Maybe they'll be in another Sunday. But you're using each one of these building blocks, each one of these individuals, to be part of a body and to be able to be of encouragement and connect with one another and build up the body of Christ using every gift and ability you give to them. So may there be a, an increased devotion to that task that you whisper and breathe into the hearts of these people as they've come today. Deliver us from just going through motions. Inspire us to be all that you long for us to be as the body of Christ. And the world will see the difference and they'll take note that God is among them. May that be the case here for City Light, for the greater glory of God. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen.